then there was two. The World Cup is coming to an end. We know what our final is. We know what our third place match is. Let's get right into it, man. Unfortunately, out of the crew, Anthony isn't able to join us this week. And we'll see what's up with Claytis. He's a busy brother, but hey, Marcus and Ephraim are with me holding it down. So what's going on, guys? What's happening, man? What's up, Marcus? What's going on, man? Operation, get them players back home safe. We almost complete French, bring it on home, and then we do we good on Liverpool in. <laughs> well, let's get into it, man. The second semifinal ended earlier today. France 2, Morocco nil. Morocco, the first African team to make the semifinal of the World Cup. But their run has come to an end. Uh, how did y'all feel about the match? Well, first, let's let's give it up to Morocco for doing what they did. I think that was like a heck of an accomplishment. So I got to give them the credit that they do. Um, I didn't get to watch most, most of the game. I watched some highlights. I did watch the very first goal, though. That was because it was very quick. Um, but uh, I, I thought it was – I thought France had a heck of a game plan. You know, they let Morocco get the possession, and then they was going to hit him on the counterattack for the most part. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Morocco ended up having over 60% possession or close to that uh, for the game, which is not typical of them and not typical of France. So – but Francis, I think they did that uh, Netherlands thing. They they sat back, let them – what the Netherlands did to the U.S., I should say. Sat back, let them have possession, and hit them with the counterattack. So I thought that was a smart move, and I thought it was extremely smart for them to score. Like, I say smart, but it was crucial, I think, for them to score early like they did. I think that really put Morocco behind the uh, – uh, you know, under a lot of pressure, obviously, to, to get a goal uh, to come back. And I think that was probably – probably to their detriment in a sense. So we, we've seen how Morocco plays so far. It seems like they like to, you know, if they get the lead, they'll hold on to it, play play defensively, or, they, or they'll or they just go for the draw and let's get the penalty shootouts because that's what a lot of teams will do as well. So um, kudos to them, but also, man, big ups to, to France for getting to their second straight uh, World Cup final. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Uh, I think either way it'll be um, a, a spectacle to watch whether, you know, Messi can get his first World Cup Argentina's, I think, third World Cup, and uh, and then obviously France being one of the, I think, one of three teams that uh, that could potentially be back to back champions. I think Italy did it, and uh, Brazil did it, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, big ups to both those teams for doing what they've done. Um, yeah, that's kind of my my take on it so far. Um, so I would say that um, today. Man, it was kind of lit. It was a kind of lit game, actually. Um, today, I don't know what Griezmann been on this tournament, but today it really was his game. He was making the nice runs. He actually pretty much was the connection to that first goal. Um, all in all, I thought France kind of showed a weak spot that Argentina can exploit, and it's all actually how you said on the counter. If they get caught, if Messi and that crew can catch them on the counter maybe one or two times, they may be a little bit more potent than the Moroccan guys were today. Um, I felt also respect to the Moroccan coach. He as soon as they went to go down, he switched the tactics. He went he went from being defensive and then he brought on the extra attacker. And they they showed resolve. Like 
as soon as they went down, they they went right at France. So it was no backing down. It was an all in all a good match. And Killy Killy, he might didn't score, but man, man, that second goal, he might he might didn't even want to set homie up like that. But the way how he whoop whoop through two guys, then the pass, <laughs> nasty man, Killy Killy. For sure. Now, did y'all think that um, Upper Meccano and Rabio missing due to you know being injured, sick? Did y'all think that would affect the result in any chance? Actually, I thought Kanate probably him and Varane probably played some of the best game I've seen France defenders have. Some of those sliding tackles Kanate had late in the game, the block chances. Uh, shout outs to Larice, this man saving saving that awesome bicycle kick from the defender. I mean, it could have affected it, but it seems like France is very deep at that position. So that's what I would say. That, but Rabio was needed because in the beginning, in the first half, they really couldn't connect the play. So I felt like Rabio might need is needed. Um, but I don't know. They got they got other guys that can fill the role because At did his thing. Yeah, I, I agree with Marcus on that one, too. Like, I, I wasn't crazy worried about their midfield because we've talked about how deep they can be on midfield, and uh, they have some really good young talent that can step up at least and fill in for a second. So I wasn't as concerned. I, I love I, – I, I think their their tactics were great, you know, take – you know, sit back, let Morocco hold it. And granted, it might have been because they scored first is one of the biggest reasons why, too. But still, you know, like, hang back, let them hold it, and – like you said, Marcus, some of their best defending. Larissa has been lights out. We've been talking trash. At least I've been talking trash about him <laughs> not being good enough. But he's showing off this World Cup. Uh, and Griezmann, and you mentioned it before, man, that man's been on something else this tournament. Like this whole tournament, he's been great. So uh, he might have been, he might, without scoring, I, I think he's one of their best players. So because uh, he's been setting them up, linking up some play as well, and doing some great uh, deliveries into the box for free kicks and everything. So, um, so yeah, not really because they had other ways that they could, could get it done. So kudos to them for that and changing up their tactics and, and figuring out a way to win. So. I bet. Well, let's get into the other semifinal. Argentina defeated Croatia three nil. What did y'all think about that match? That boy Lavrin, bro, he took a check. All them crushes took a check, man. I have never seen those guys look so flat. It was like Argentina was on a whole different level, man. As soon as that first goal came and then Croatia tried to become a little bit more open, it, it was over with. And that game right there was Alvarez coming out party. Homie was a pest. That's the best way I could describe him that whole game. He was a pest. In front of players, taking the ball off guys, getting lucky, ricochet goals. Yeah, that's what I call it. But, hey, that's what I felt about that one. They, they just was on a whole different level that game. It was like too many times going to extra time, too many times going to penalties, and the age exposed them. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I, and, look, good thing about sports is what you, you need luck, right? You need luck in sports. And so you're right. Uh, Alvarez did get lucky with, with uh, I think, his first goal. Um, and so any, but yeah, I look, Argentina did a similar strategy. They let Croatia get possession, hold possession most of the game. 
and they hit him with the counterattack. Uh, the first goal was a penalty. I think the other two were, if I'm not mistaken, they were off of counterattacks. I think one was off of a corner from uh, Croatia, and they hit him on the counterattack. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, another great game. Well, I say a great game, one-sided game in a way. Uh, but, uh, you know, kudos to Messi and them, um, and, and it'd be interesting to see how these two coaches, uh, you know, form their tactics for this game because it seemed like they were both willing to sit back, let the other team hold it, and hit them on a counterattack. So it'd be interesting to see how these two uh, go up against each other on Sunday um, with their tactics. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Now, based on how the rhythm of the match was, Messi dictating the pace, do y'all think this was the best match he played so far in the World Cup? I mean, it's, I guess it's easy to say it. Uh, because you know it's a semifinal. If I'm not mistaken, he had he was also contributed in all three goals. I think he had two assists and a goal. So you could say that, yeah, based off statistics. Um, I mean, it's hard to argue not. You know, when you when you are on the score sheet and you contribute to the other goals uh, for your team um, during the match, yeah, you could sit there and say on paper at least he's definitely was was his best one of his best games at this World Cup. So yeah, I, I maybe yeah, arguably it could be his best game so far, for sure. It'd be nice to see on Sunday how he steps up, and I think he'd be fine because Messi, you know, he doesn't shy away necessarily from big games uh, a lot. So yeah, I, I yeah, I think so. I, I it depends to be what what version of Messi are we talking about because I feel like if we say PSG Messi, I think this is this is the closest that he's played to that level. Um, in this tournament currently, because like that penalty, that's an asterisk. Because that, I mean, that that goal is an asterisk to me because it was a penalty. He didn't he didn't shoot to get that goal, but he did he did control the game. He was like, um, I mean, he was pulling the strings. Like whenever somebody got to go, it was off of his passes. Whenever it was an attack, it was off his passes. So I mean, I would give him that off the performance, but I mean, he didn't provide any goals, so. No, I, I mean, I can't say it's his best, but this tournament, yes. Well, I'm going to push back just a little bit real quick, Dan. I, I would just, I would say that, be, you know, given circumstances, penalties can be just as, I mean, penalties can be crucial in any game. Um, and, 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 a, and a goal's a goal, right? Like if it was one nil, that goal's going to count. So I would argue that, yeah, I, I think it's just as crucial. And we've seen a lot of – we've seen that goalkeeper make saves in, in crucial situations. Uh, the last penalty shootout, uh, he made a couple good saves. Um, so, yeah, I would still say that uh, that was a crucial goal. It was it, – it's just as important as any other goal in the tournament. I give you – yeah, it's easier because it's a penalty, uh, you know, given the, the level of uh, – of, of of play because it's, it's a it's a it's you know it's a set play basically you're not you're not it's not in the run of play so I will give you that much but I would just argue that yeah it's just as crucial as any other goal so I hear you though but nah it, that that was a big deal did y'all think that was a penalty no no but hey it looked good the flop the flop master was at was at work. <laughs> yeah, I got to go back and look at it honestly to get a good look at the uh, um, at what it was. So, um, but I took your word for it, Marcus, <laughs> that it was a lot of uh, look gamesmanship going on with that one. So, yeah, a lot of former players that are broadcasters say that they don't think it's a penalty. 
and especially the former goalkeepers, they've been standing up for me like, yeah, he didn't uh, tackle him, he didn't foul him, he stood his ground, he didn't lift his feet to trip him, which what they called the foul four. He stood his ground and they ran into each other and they called that a penalty. So, eh, yeah, it's fishy, but it is what it is. Now, for me, the difference between uh, Argentina this time around and previous iterations of them under Messi at the World Cup is that, yeah, McAllister is in. He has a new dynamic midfield behind him. Enzo is starting now. But Julian Alvarez, he's already shown he's been better than Higuain and Cunaguero have been at the World Cup. And he's given Messi the number nine to play with that he never had. That right now Messi is tied for the lead in the World Cup with five goals. He has three assists. I think that's tied for the lead also. And Alvarez has four goals. So he has a teammate that can score just as much as him. And that's been the key to everything. So how do y'all feel about his impact on the team since he was moved into the starting lineup and Di Maria got benched? I think the proof is in the pudding. Like you said, it, it's right It's right there in front of your eyes. He's uh, he's stepping up big time. You know, I, he's like you said, four goals in the six matches. Um. And obviously those two crucial goals uh, against uh, Croatia to kind of really just sealed the deal. Um, but yeah, I think he's playing very well. I think Manchester City, you know, once they, you know, <laughs> I don't, he'll, he'll, he won't, uh, he won't sit Holland down necessarily unless Holland's hurt, but uh, you know, they got somebody that can come off the bench or, or, you know, give a spell to Holland every once in a while. And, and if, if he utilized correctly, yeah, he could be dangerous, obviously. So um, he's only 22, so it's not like he, you know, he has some time to grow and, and you know, uh, ch you know, get better with his game, and um, you know, if not challenge Holland, uh, you know, try to make it hard for Pep to pick him, I guess, or pick Holland sometimes. So, so yeah, I like what he, I like what I'm seeing from him. Um, I really do. Um, I would say that boy is balling. If you realize he don't bench more than just Di Maria, Dan. He benched Martinez. <laughs> he benched, like he said, Di Maria. He benched Dabala. I mean, it's a it, it work. It's working. The young lads are working because he he seems like he he has a different gear. Continuously all game, he's just running that players, and he actually has a nice little touch in front of goal. So I mean, I think it's the perfect fit for Messi at this stage, and um. I mean, I would hope that it would make drive Martinez to try to have a, a ball, a, a ball pretty hard on Sunday or something. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's getting here you go, little homie. You little community service minutes. I don't think they're gonna give him impactful minutes for real. The same as Dabala. Seems like the coach uh Scanoli, he's found his rhythm and a lot of people are also commending him for his backroom staff having former players like Walter Samuel, Ayala, uh, Pablo Aymar, and that is cool seeing former Argentinian players giving input in the national team. You can see that the bond between the team is different. Messi is 35. They all playing for him. 
He's already said this is his last World Cup uh, earlier, that finals, his last match in the World Cup. So, hey, it's going to be interesting. But before we talk about the final and all that, let's continue to go back, you know, because uh, some people might have had their last World Cup. Uh, first, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, Morocco defeated Portugal 1-0 to advance in the tournament. Um, Cristiano came off the bench in the, like the 51st minute. He had a chance to equalize the match, but didn't go well. Shot it right to Bonu. So uh, do y'all think this is the last time we'll see Cristiano Ronaldo at the World Cup? Yeah, because I think he'll be, he's 37. I think he'll be 38 coming up. So yeah, he'll be 40 in his 40s. I don't think he's going to try to, you know. And I also think, I also think by how, both his club team and or his former club team now, but his, his former club team and the manager here in, in uh, uh, Santos here in uh, Portugal, how they how they weren't necessarily scared to put him on the bench. I think by the time the next World Cup comes around in twenty six, I don't I don't think that they'll have a problem not even including him in the team if let's just say for some reason he is still playing at a, a somewhat high level. Uh, so yeah, I think this was it for him. Um, yeah, it'd have been nice to see him kind of like that dream, you know, maybe a Messi versus Ronaldo in the final. I don't know if they would have met each other in the final or not, but, uh, given, um, uh, how their groups went, but I guess they would have, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm, I think this is the last one. I don't think we, you know, there's reports of him, play, uh, he's training out in Real Madrid right now, uh, in their training facility. So it looks like he's getting ready to try to get back in shape to get to a team. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I think he's done with the World Cup. I think he can come back only because I just heard some of the most ridiculous stuff ever. Tim Ream for the USA think he can come back to world next World Cup and he would be 42 years old. So if that dude believe he could do it, one of the dudes that they consider to go damn sure could. Maybe as a bench reserve role because, like, I mean, it's always going to be a story, and I think that that probably would help Portugal have a buzz around them next World Cup also, even though they might not want to have that. But um, I think this experience is going to humble him a bit, and um, it will be a rebranding for him next World Cup. And like how you said, he'll, he'll probably get all his flowers next World Cup the same way how uh, Messi is getting his right now. And you make a good point, uh, Marcus. I think kind of like what Dan talked about, about those former players from Argentina being in the backroom staff, which is like instant respect, instant love, right? Uh, instant chemistry in a way. Um, I think maybe if if there's a chance that Ronaldo is like a bench, like it stays on the bench, maybe if he gets a minute or two in certain games, sure. But yeah, maybe he'll be there for that. Maybe like that catalyst to kind of help them get over, to kind of say, hey, we're doing this for Ronaldo or Cristiano. So that could be a possibility, but I, I don't I don't really see it happening though. And Tim Ream, yeah, he ain't coming back. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, you never know. We're gonna talk about your national team in a little bit too. Cause he has some funny stuff going on. But another legend that maybe it's his last World Cup, uh Neymar, Brazil lost to Croatia on penalties after it went. 120 minutes, 1-1. Um, oh, yeah, before we talk about that, 
do you guys think this World Cup performance affects Cristiano Ronaldo's legacy? Because I don't. Yeah, same. I, he he has. I give him. He I give him. He got his major tournament. He got his Euro. Granted, it's not a World Cup. I get that, but it is a big deal uh, in that part of the world. So just like uh, you know, the, when Messi won the uh, what Copa America, um, that's a big deal there. It may not be the biggest deal to the rest of the world, but that's a big deal in South America. Uh, so yeah, I, I I don't think it does either. He's still the all-time men's leading or all-time world leading uh score ever <laughs> you know at least at least uh uh counted goals and I, I guess people argue Pele may have some more that are uncounted but yeah man I I don't think it I don't think it's respect to the legend man <laughs> I I think um a bit because everything that we do affect our legacy in some uh standpoint um I don't think like the way how the media the way how like Sky Sports the UK media I would say Sorry, sorry, uh, Neville. Um, the way how like they're bigging it up, I don't think so because he didn't even get the the type of minutes where he could impact the game the same way how he would previously, and how others have said he's a thirty six year old man, thirty five year old man. He's not gonna be able to to impact the game the same way that he could when he was 30, 31 years old. So, um, no, I don't think it in a bit it would because it's like yeah, he's out here, he's looking old, and people weren't able to see him in that stage until now. So I think in that aspect, the younger fans are going to be, they may be like how, how they felt about Jordan when they saw him on the Wizards. They were like, they remember him from that. They don't remember him from, from dog of people in Chicago. So, I mean, it just depends on your age, our age bracket in that. Hey, 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 back off, Marcus. Michael Jordan was good on the Wizards, okay? Stop, stop, stop. What? Stop, stop, stop. It was. Please stop. It he was. was. He scored, he averaged over 20 points a game. I give when, you that. When he, he was not when, that good. Though. I was about to say, when he, he got good. warmed up, he was, yeah, he was not. He was averaging 22, 6, and 5 at 39 and 40 years old. That was that never happened before. His field goal percentage was higher than people like Allen Iverson. Uh, well, was, let's be honest. Allen Iverson did never have, really had the best field goal percentage either, so. Hey, exactly. And then even his <laughs> mid-range, his mid-range, uh, if you look at it, at that time, he was the best mid-range shooter in the league. <laughs> Carmelo before Melo. Yeah, he invented it. He invented it. He's the template. Like, well, he did. He had to do that. He had to do that. He was scoring that. 50, yeah. 40, 38. Hey, he was going crazy, man. My man was in the club every night. Sitting out three games, of, smoking a lot of cigars, gambling a lot, working that yak, <laughs> yeah, and getting buckets easy. Amen. Wearing Tommy Hill figure jeans, to the, yeah, it to wasn't the, that bad. Bloodshot red eyes when coming yeah, to the game. Yeah, <laughs> Respect Michael <laughs> Jeffrey. Hey, the Wizards there. Oh, was always. Hey, look, he's my he's he's my goat in basketball. So that, look, I, I'm always gonna have that love for him, but. Yeah, he. Yeah. Nobody remember wants to remember that from the Wizards. I give you the, the points per game, and maybe the, he was the best player on the Wizards. I give you that, but he wasn't. Yeah. He was still a good player. I'm not having it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Dan. I ain't mad at you. <laughs> but yeah, for uh, Neymar, do you guys think this World Cup performance affects his uh, legacy negatively or nothing really? He did tie Pele. 
to be Brazil's all-time leading scorer with 77 goals. Pele did it in 92 matches. Neymar did it in 124 matches, by the way. I'm a fan, actually. I respect it. I had the same injury that he had, and for him to actually come back and get a goal, I got hella respect for you, my dog. Shit, it took me damn near two, three months to come back to any athletic activity. It took him that three weeks, what, two weeks? So, hey, respect. I think his goes up. Only problem is that he hasn't won, so he can't be added into that great Brazilian pantheon. And that's all, and that's what's probably gonna eat him alive. Like unless he unless they they re reunite the band and let Vinny and the rest of those young guys lead him and he just be a the sprinkle on top. I think that's honestly the only way that's gonna work. And you know what you said before, you know what you gotta have to lead that line. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it necessarily negatively impacts his his uh his um you know, his legacy, but I think it, it, it keeps it where it is. I, I, I kind of think it's pretty stagnant, like where exactly where it is. Um, you know, he'll go always go down as a, you know, really good, <laughs> a damn, almost great Brazilian national team player, but he's not, he's obviously not going to be in the ranks of like Ronaldo or any of those guys like that, that, that pantheon greats of Brazil. I don't know about that necessarily. But uh, but I, I think he's I think he's fine. I, I I like I said I don't hold the same criteria some people might hold as far as like world class players. But so I think he's always gonna be a phenomenal player. Always gonna be a world class player to me in a, in a way. So I, I don't to me in my opinion I, I don't think this is like negatively affects him though. Uh for me, uh, it kind of does a little bit because. A lot of people are saying that Neymar is the third best player of his generation. I don't think so. We can talk about it next week, maybe if Cletus is here, because he's one of the people that believes in that. But uh, Brazil, they've won Copa America without him 2019. And if you look at it, uh, the best trophy he's won with them is the Olympic gold which, you know, in international football, that's not nothing that people say for their legacy boosting. And what, uh, Confederations Cup? That doesn't exist anymore. So, yeah, it's like he joins Zico as, oh, the best Brazilian players to never win anything. It's unfortunate he's in that class. Um, I, I mean, yeah, he's... It's like with Zico, he's considered a top five Brazilian player ever, and he didn't win anything. So it's not like Neymar's legacy is truly tarnished, but for you to have that talent pull and unfortunately to never even make a semifinal, it's kind of underwhelming, but hey. You, know, you think he done? Um, Yeah, I mean, this is – I don't think – I don't think uh, Neymar is going to be like Cristiano and Messi where he's going to be balling at 35. I think the way he is and the constant injuries he's had throughout the years, he's 30 right now. He turns 31 in February. I think, yeah, the next World Cup, he'll be 34. I don't think he's going to be. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, that would be cool if he still is, but. 
I don't think Neymar at 34 is going to be like Messi or Cristiano at 34. So maybe he'll be there, but I don't think he'll be the guy that they're building the team around in four years. I think he'll be Vinicius, Rodrigo, Hendrick time. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I don't, yeah, he's going to be like a bit part player if he comes back or, you know, yeah, coming off off the bench or something like that, kind of that that glue guy, maybe you know somebody they can rally around, kind of like we talked about Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't see him being like a, a focal point of the Brazil team in four years either. You know, in the grand scheme, thirty four isn't the oldest, but still in sports we all know how that is. So yeah, I'm with you, Dan. I, this could possibly be his last, but you know the fact also the fact that it's coming to the uh, uh, North America uh, may give him some you know more juice to want to, you know, be in the team, but that also depends on how other people are playing uh, in the Brazil squad as well, too, so. For sure. Now, another person who this is his last World Cup, um, Louis Van Hall, Netherlands lost to Argentina 2-2. It was, you know, very active after the match, players faking Messi's walking up, taunting Van Hall, the coaching staff, the players. Edgar Davids is trying to walk down on him. After press conference, he's looking at coaches saying, what y'all looking at? Fuck out of here. <laughs> Louis Van Hall, hey, man, in the World Cup, he only lost twice. And it was both times to Argentina on penalties. He's a legendary coach. I'm going to miss him. He always had the funniest interviews. The way he looked at the game, people called him a negative, uh, you know, tactician. But, hey, I respected the tactics. How will you guys remember Louis Van Hall and this Dutch team? Oh, yeah, we can't. We also can't forget they had arguably the best set piece ever with that second goal. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's, yeah, I think he'll go down as a pretty, you know, I wouldn't say legendary coach, but as far as club level, but uh, I mean, excuse me, in club level, he is a legendary coach. So I, I take that back. I, I mix that up. I was about this international level. I didn't see him necessarily as a, a, a legendary coach at the same time. Well, I will, like you just said, I will give him uh, a lot of kudos for the tactics he displayed in this World Cup and nothing else. Because he 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 showed his tactical uh, genius in in certain situations, you know, against the U.S. Uh, he 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 sat back, let us hold possession, hit hit us with the counterattack, and it was worked. You know, against Argentina, they were down two nil. He pulled up Van Dyke. He pulled up. He he had De Young up front. Uh, Luke De Young, not Frankie De Young. Um, he had De Young up front. He pulled in Veg Veghorst. He pulled him in. And obviously it worked. Again, came back, you know, uh, went to a draw. I mean, got a draw, uh, went to extra time, went to penalties. Unfortunately, lost that way. But uh, yeah, tactically, uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's a great tactician. I think. I think he he shows his chops that way for sure. Um, uh, I think a lot of when he came to the Premier League, a lot of people were saying he's you know his old school of coaching and you know his you know his. I, I don't know. They, they they didn't really vibe with the way he coached. And, and I think, honestly, I don't think he got enough time at Manchester United, but that's just me. And there's also some other stuff that was going on too that made him want to leave as well, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like him as a coach. Um, 
I've always respected him. I love his like no nonsense, like as the Dutch are, you know, no nonsense, tell you how it is. I love that. So uh yeah, it'll go down as as a top coach for me for sure. Man, one of the top tacticians, uh man that, that won't hold his tongue. I mean, I will he will be missed from the game. I will say that because uh what he had to say about the US was hilarious. Um and what what I was the comments and the stuff I've been saying about him in the beef with Messi is hilarious as well. So um I mean it seems like like you said, he he didn't hold punches and he knew when to make changes. It was kind of funny, he didn't know when to make he didn't make the changes quick enough against Argentina, but most of the time, most other times he knew when to make the changes. So um he was a good coach, I will say. For sure. And uh, let me try to run down some of his accomplishments. Won three Dutch titles with Ajax, won the Champions League with them in 95. Then the next year, they were runner-ups, won the UEFA Cup with them. That's the Europa League back then. Intercontinental Cup, the OG FIFA World Cup, won two La Liga titles with Barca, Copa del Rey, won the Dutch League with AZ, won Bundesliga with Bayern took them to a Champions League final. They lost to Inter. That won the treble. Won the FA Cup with United. Led Netherlands to a third-place finish. Coach of the year multiple times. And, yeah, it's part of the holy trinity of Ajax football. Rennes Michaels, Johan Cruyff, Louis van Hall. So, salute to the OG. Yeah, for sure. Salute. Now, before we get into, you know, our favorite segments like Champagne Soccer and the Club All-Stars and some World Cup superlatives, let's talk about the last team Louis Van Hall beat in the World Cup, the good old U.S. of A. There's been shenanigans going on, and Ephraim, Marcus, I want y'all to take it away because y'all were talking about how you wanted Gio Renia to star for the team, should have had a bigger role. And now we kind of know that why he didn't. And it sounds fishy, Marcus. Why don't you let the people know what's going on? What's done in the dark will always come to the light. Ain't that what they say? Yeah, it is. This man, Greg Berhalter, I had having seminars. Talking dirty on the players. You breaking the code, bro. How you going to throw your own guys under the bus? Me, I'm pretty sure if y'all not hip, like I said, it seemed like uh, he's at this seminar. Everybody was asking a couple questions. Supposedly, at first, what I seen that they said it was off the record that he made these statements saying that it was a player uh, they had to have disciplinary actions against. They wanted they had to have a vote to see if he would stay with the team. And then two days or a day later, it comes out that it's Gio. And Gio responds back by saying, yeah, he, he did have an attitude problem. But then we find out the attitude problem was because Greg said he wasn't going to need his services like that. <laughs> when, as opposed to fans, we want Gio on the pitch. Uh, so... What is that? Gio felt some type of way. He apologized to, to the players. It should have been good. They should have been able to move forward. But what it seems like, Greg felt some type of way. 
and now he's um he's kind of holding this against Gio and um me as a fan. I don't think uh Greg should, should remain the coach. E, what what, what you got? What's your thoughts on this situation? Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm on the as far as him being the coach still. I'm kind of with you. If nothing else, is because it may have eroded not just Gio's trust but trust in from from other players. Because now, if I don't perform on the team, who's to say he won't? You know, at a seminar, he won't throw me under the bus. Or in the media, he won't throw me under the bus. So I think that's going to be a hard thing to kind of come back to for him. Um, as far as the Geo thing, look, as I said in the chat, you know, I, I don't have a problem with a coach disciplining or putting the player in his place appropriately. And that goes with what you just mentioned, Marcus. Like, if if you don't put that out in the air, though, right, you keep that in behind closed doors. And Geo, I give him credit at least for, for this. First of all, he's 20 years old. Let's 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 knock that out the way. Berhalter is 49, I think, 49 or 50. So there's a 38-year age gap there, right? So that's one thing. So, you, yeah, I'm not saying uh, Gio was right about how his attitude. He was wrong, and he apologized for it. His teammates even, I guess, chastised him a little bit about it, and then then they forgave him. It should have been it should have been kept behind closed doors. I think it started leaking out, and then he had that 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 seminar up in New York about leadership, which is ironic. And he talks about a player. I think people put two and two together pretty easy, um, and not only that. To think that something like that is behind closed doors. I mean, come on, man. You, you're talking to over 100 people. Somebody's going to leak something, right? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he broke some trust from the player, Gio, and maybe the the teammates as well. That I'm hearing reports that uh, that certain players aren't uh, don't know if they can trust uh, Berhalter anymore. So, like I said, that could be a problem. Um, you know. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I agree. He he probably shouldn't be the coach anymore. Not only that, I, I honestly think his tactics. So not even that. Just just go with tactics and 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 selection, right? Some of that was questionable. I think we talked about it over the World Cup so far, and even in our chat about how there are some things that he could have changed up. Maybe that could have maybe changed some results in some games, or at least given us a, given us a better fight. And he got called out by Van Hall, <laughs> uh, and, and as we as we've seen, so. I don't know. I'm with you, Marcus. I think it's time for him to go. I, I don't. I don't see why not. Like bring somebody fresh, new, maybe somebody from somewhere else, maybe another country or something. I don't know, but bring somebody else in to start gearing up for this next World Cup. You got four years to do it, so let's see if if they can last that long. Let's let's get somebody else in here and see if we can get some a fresh voice in that locker room. Also, before before we get Dan to chime in and hear his uh outside, you know, because he don't give a f about the U.S. uh squad for real. Um, you know that Geo parents are supposedly friends with greg yeah and, and they put and greg and uh geo's father played together so yeah. i feel as if they should have handled that a little bit differently and similar to what the football america's guy said why mention anything about the usa team why not mention your club uh days like talk about yes. a player from your club football days instead of the yes. u.s team Early coaching time, something like that, something we can't put together. I agree with that, Marcus. He had tons. He's forty nine years old. He has a heck of a, a line, uh, a list of experiences he could have used. Why use something so close to and something that had been leaked out, uh, an issue that had been leaked out of that dressing room? Why use that when we can put two and two together and we can realize that that's that's what you mean. You mean Gio Reyna? Oh, okay, that's kind of easy to figure out. So I'm I'm lost on what he did there, and like I said, it was kind of ironic that he was at a at a conference about 
but I think moral leadership or something like that. It was definitely about leadership, but I thought that was ironic how he's talking about in a, in a place about leadership, but then he does something like that as a quote unquote leader. So my bad. I was taking time looking at his career and uh, based on what I'm seeing, uh, looks like he's never won anything as a coach except with the U.S. team. So I would see why he's trying to talk about that. It's the only time he's had success. But uh, for me, yeah, did he betray the trust of a team, of a player? Sure. But um, I don't know. I feel like today athletes, everybody is very sensitive. So they get their feelings hurt. And a lot of these guys, they coddled, so they don't know how to handle criticism. And sometimes I like to back the coaches, especially guys that used to be players because they've seen how the game has changed in many ways and maybe he's trying to put a spark under him. As a guy that pays attention to national teams, especially in Africa, it's not a surprise. I mean, this happens all the time with conflicts between uh, players and coaches. I mean, the IU brothers tried to quit from the national team in 2013 over propaganda. I mean, Ziesh and Hakimi weren't even playing for Morocco in January at AFCON because they didn't like the coach. So I don't know. It's something that I see often. So, hey, maybe this is a good sign for you guys. This is a sign that, hey, get Greg out of there and bring in somebody else. So the way I look at it is, yeah, did he betray the trust of a team, of a player? Yes, he did. And like someone like Luis Enrique, who stepped down from the Spain national team, he said <laughs> one player let him down this tournament. He didn't let us know who. So you can't really figure it out because he's Come said, on, man. You know who he's talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. hey, you put your choice hey, nobody, in a young man. Yeah, nobody told him to play a teenager in the World Cup. That's what he wants to do because he's a part of the Brazil, I said Brazil, Barcelona machine that, hey, we're going to promote all the Barcelona kids. So, hey, you wanted to play him. Y'all gave him number nine. Hey, Gabby didn't ask for this. My man, I don't even know if he has a driver's license yet. But, hey, (laughs) (laughs) if Gabby lets you down, that's bad coaching. Relying on a teenager to carry you, but you got Grandpa Busquets. What is he there for? And Roger at the center back. So how you call how you call Busquets, but you don't call Thiago. Like if you gonna get one granddad, get both of them. Right. Right. At least Busquets, his knees are reliable, man. Tiago, nah, you know that brother is breakdown all stars. So hey, let him. At least he's not gonna be doing back passes to the right back. (laughs) And and to give Busquets some credit, he's won two Euros in a World Cup. So, or at least one Euro. He was on both of He wasn't on 2008. So he's won two major tournaments. So I give him at least that much. Yeah, best defensive midfielder of his generation. But uh, yeah, let's get into these superlatives real quick. Um, Who is y'all most surprising player at the World Cup so far? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Antoine Griezmann. I think he's been. um surprised i think he's very he surprised a lot of people and, and me for sure i i'm i'm very shocked by how he's playing um he's and granted he had a better world cup last time because he had four goals um and obviously they won the world cup but uh you know his his free kicks have been great um he has three assists right now 
in six matches. So um, I think he's been a really good uh, part of their attack. So that's what my surprising player is. Marcus, how about you? Uh, um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with the Moroccan brother. And I want to go with the, the what is it, Sofan Amberant. I thought uh, he was holding his own. Uh, number four, the midfielder. He plays for mm-hmm. Fiorentina. He's nice. Uh, and I want to go with also Rico, Ricky, Rick, Rick, I can't even say that shit. DePaul for Argentina. That boy just be moving. Rodrigo he, he another, Yeah. Yeah, he's another runner. Chuck Star. <laughs> for me, I'm going to say um, I'm going to go with A. Anthony. He's he predicted it. He said Julian Alvarez sit down, Lataro Martinez start Julian Alvarez, and things will change for the better. And it's true. Scored one of the best World Cups, and you can say one of the best goals in the World Cup with uh, his goal last match, the bouncing off everybody, dribbling. He could have passed like, nah, I want this goal, and finishing that. Like I said earlier, he has four goals this World Cup, which is tied for second most. Um, he's been phenomenal, so I'm going with him. And it's nasty that City has Holland resting, and then they got this brother on form coming back too. They about to kill the league, but uh, that's my most surprising player. Um, who's your most disappointing player? Uh, I would actually go with Ruben Diaz. Uh, that last game he was on the pitch, he he was getting exposed to me. That's really that's a really good pick too, cause he definitely did. He he didn't know what to do with that big guy from uh Morocco. Um, oh man, good question. Uh, I think the low hanger fruit is somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo, but I'm not gonna go there with that. Um, can I just say the whole Brazilian national team? Can I say that instead of just one player? Yeah, damn, why? Ah, man, because I think, I don't know, it, the expectations were so high for them. And, and I think that we all, I think, if I'm not mistaken, all of us, maybe one of us didn't pick them. But I think four out of five of us picked them to win the yeah, World I Cup. Them, yeah, I picked them to win. I did too. Yep, yep. So, I, yeah, I, look, I know we said a player, but I'm going with the whole Brazil national team. I, I think they got in their own way again. I'm going to go with uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, You know, you see how Eden Hazard has broken down uh, through the years. Lukaku was hurt. I thought maybe this was the time to build around De Bruyne. Didn't look like he was uh, ever in any match. Sure, it could be Roberto Martinez's fault with the tactics. And sometimes... De Bruyne was on the right wing like how he was when he was younger, but he wasn't effective. And uh, it just looked like, uh, man, without that system in Pep, De Bruyne is kind of just out there. So that that was disappointing to see, especially when he's coming off uh, the club form of being the best playmaker in the world, and then he's a ghost. So that was disappointing. Now uh, let's get into... Champagne goal of the week. Uh, I think I it's may it's been a lot of banger goals. Um <laughs> I almost want to give it to like three of them. Uh <laughs> I'm gonna say, all right, I 
I'll give it to Netherlands for that free kick because that's a masterpiece. I got to give it to Messi for that no-look pass, unlocking my man who scored. I forgot who scored, but that no-look pass was stupid. And then I got to give it to today. Uh, my man, Tio Hernandez. I'm going to give him his props. Oh, Yeah, I'm going to give him his props, man. He's stepped up. His big brother got hurt. He's been balling to find that angle and to scissor that kick down for the first goal and the game winner, I'll give it to him. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we've seen a lot of games in a short period of time. So, uh, Marcus, what's your champagne goal of the week? Uh, come back to me. You took my... <laughs> Eat money bags. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Mini from uh, France, I think, uh, the other days, uh, or yesterday, excuse me. Um, no. What I'm talking about the uh, the goal, the first goal against England. My gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. quarterfinal. I, I'm tripping. Uh, yeah, that first one. He's this point he scored. I think it was it was outside the box. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, hit it hit it on the ground and uh, just went past uh, Pickford. And uh, I think it was in the 17th minute. So it was a really early crucial goal for France. And uh, that was mine for the week. Hey man, we gonna go ahead and keep it African. Uh, we're going with the Moroccan striker number 19. I don't know what the Portuguese uh keeper was uh doing, but he got up there, the Moroccan dude, and got that goal. That's what I'm going with mine. Nice, nice. Now, in the club, all stars, I got, of course, France got to be there, Ar Argentina got to be there. They're in the final, but you know who else is there? Silvio Berlusconi, and he's promising prostitutes for players if they win so he's definitely <laughs> in the club <laughs> my boss vibes uh I'm, I'm gonna go with morocco just giving them a hit you know a shout out for getting where they went and and their the their game plan for getting there it didn't work today because uh france got that early goal and i think it put them behind the eight ball a little bit but uh i'm gonna go with morocco they they're in the club for sure even though they they're, they're going to play for third place so I'm going with all the players that um, have risen their price from their performances of the World Cup so far. Hey, it's a lot of guys, man. A lot yeah. of guys in the club. No ladies in the club. We're very deep, okay? And like you said, you already got the guy that's supposed to be giving us prostitutes. Mm. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, good Speaking point. of that, hey, to your point, Marcus, I think PSV said uh, they're gonna uh, go for a club record fee for Cody Gakpo. So whoever's looking for him, whether it's January or the summer, they're trying to get that bag for him. So for sure. Now the third place match is on Saturday. Um, it's gonna be between Croatia, Morocco. What do you guys think about that match? Who do y'all have winning it? We doing the rabbit dance. Hakimi, we coming through. One zip. I think Croatia is done. They look they look out of it. Modric looked done. Uh, a shell of itself. So I think they're going to get exposed again. You keep putting Lavin on that back line. He keep having flashbacks that Harry Kane is out there. We need to give Harry Kane the, the dumb skull uh, of the week. Of the month, bro. How you smoke a penalty? Yeah, I've seen a lot of guys do it throughout the years, and yeah. for it to be a Tottenham brother this time, 
Not a surprise. I'm sorry. I want to go back. Harry Kane is my disappointment of the of the World Cup. Whoa, all the hype, damn. all the hype, and how many goals he give you? The, what one, two in open play? Come on, man. Yeah, but hey, he was hey, you he from he salutes Griezmann for all around play. That's what. Hey, look, I'm gonna do he was doing too. He had like three, four assists. He was operating. Hey, yeah, when no, until it mattered the most, then he came up short. <laughs> I want the same energy that you have for soccer, that you have for Rashford, have it for Kane, because mm. he's supposed to be the captain, he's supposed okay. to be clutch, he looking weak. It yeah. ain't come home. I'll give you that. Absolutely. And the, whatever energy they had uh in, in Euro 2020, uh for those young men that missed those penalties in the penalty shootout, absolutely. Give him the same energy. Not nah, it's not the same, man. It's not the final. <laughs> if it was in the final, then yeah, but hey. but no. What I'm saying is like he they they got <laughs> a lot more vitriol than they should have got. Is what I'm saying. That that's what I'm saying. Not 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 right. Uh, but yeah, Kane. No, look, he does other things. Like he comes deep, plays. He he comes in deep into the midfield, links up play other ways as well. So I, I he does other things versus just scoring goals. So I'm not going to count him off that that quick, Marcus. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah this is an interesting stat just to pass on i know it's a little random but it just goes to show you like um how the homies were saying earlier france used some of that netherlands tactic check this out guys morocco's possession versus croatia 35 percent versus belgium 33 percent versus canada 41 percent Versus Spain, 23%. Versus Portugal, 26%. Versus France, 62%. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of the ball. Didn't know what to do with it. So, yeah, sometimes that can shock people's minds. And this goes back to the article I wrote about the Champions League and that the teams with the highest possessions don't win cup competitions, man. Playing reactive counterattacking football works in international sports so hey you gotta go with it but um um Ephraim did you say who you got winning the third place match I did not uh I'm gonna go with what Marcus said I'm thinking one nil maybe two nil uh Morocco I, I don't see Croatia really doing much and yeah I, I got Morocco well he's pulling that one out word um yeah that'll be interesting I think I might go I'll be the lone wolf. I'm going to go with Croatia. I think because this is the last time this generation is going to be together, they're going to try to win this to say, hey, we finished second 2018, third in 2022. We are by far the best generation in Croatian football. And I think that they want to go out with that. So I'm going to go with them 2-1 Croatia. Now, of course, the final Sunday, the battle of the number 10s. You can argue it's also battling who is the best player in the world. Club teammates turn rivals. Mbappe versus uh, Messi, you know, Argentina, France. This is a big one. Who do y'all got? I'm actually looking at the uh, after data, uh, comparing the two. Uh, from the past two World Cups, 2018 and 2022, and they damn near have, like, matching stats. Messi with six goals, five assists, um, 28 chances created. 
Mbappe nine goals, two assists, twenty chances created. So um, yeah, they pretty much playing the same way. And I ain't gonna lie, I I got I'm gonna go with the storybook ending. I will. I feel like Messi in his head over there saying, "I gotta show him I'm that I'm that guy one more last time." He want to be what I'm at. You know what I mean? He got what I want. So I'm going with Messi. I'm going with the – I honestly, that's the underdog because France is better than, than them on paper. So I'm going with uh, 3-2 Argentina. Yeah, I, as much as I would love to see that storybook ending, and, and it would be great, right? Either way, no matter what, I think no matter the result, I think – both will be great results because of different circumstances. Obviously, France trying to win, be one of three, one of uh, two other teams that have, uh, or one of three teams, excuse me, that would have uh, won back-to-back World Cups. And then Messi obviously going out with a bang. Uh, but I'm going to go 2-1 France. I kind of want to see, you know, uh, young Mbappe um, win his second in a row. And because uh, he's not just a big part, but he's like such a contributor to this. So, I just, I don't know. I, I kind of want to see France do it again, but I won't be disappointed if Messi won at all. Throw your twos up. Throw your twos up. Throw your twos up. Hey, we've seen two times, man, back to back. I'm going with France three, Argentina one. I think Griezmann is going to score his first goal in the tournament. I think Mbappe is going to score, and I think Grandpa Giroud is going to score. I think that this formula that they have to counterattack, it's going to work against Argentina, the possession-based style. I think the physicality will be important in that these teams will have to try to find the right spaces, the right areas to counter. And I think France will be able to take advantage of the desperation of the Argentinians that, oh, we have to do this for Messi. Yeah, that's going to make someone do something silly and that can get punished on the counter. So I'm going to go with France, 3-1. Mbappe joins Pele and that pantheon of back-to-back boys. And even uh, Pele, though, 62, he didn't really play. He got hurt. So, I mean, Mbappe can say, hey, man, I... I contributed more to back to back than you, Pele. But hey, you got to respect Grandpa. That's the king, man. Absolutely. But uh, before we go, man, we got to talk about uh, your man Jaden Sancho. He, because <laughs> they said that brother. They told that brother, "You got to go, man. Go work somewhere else. Get your mind right. You're not fit enough. Your status isn't proper. Your your mindset. What well, what's going on with him, man?" He turned off social media. He's out in the Netherlands, if I'm not mistaken, uh, training with some very trusted coaches of uh, that Ten Hag knows. Um, I yeah, I, look, I like it honestly. I think, I think it shows one one thing. I think it shows is obviously there's there's still uh, something in him that Ten Hag sees. He still wants to use him, whether it's coming off the bench at least uh, when he comes back to the team or you know, inserting them back into a starting role at some point. But uh, I, I think it's a great move by them to make sure that he is in the best place he can be. I mean, he started the season off pretty good. I mean, I think he had three goals to start off the season, but his form dipped. 
you know, uh, I'm sure some personal things are probably going on in his life and, and uh, it, it may have an effect on him. Um, and it's just obviously translating to the pitch as well, which is not, you know, it's not a good look for the team, obviously. But uh, I like how they're handling it. Uh, I think Ten Hag does a pretty decent job of protecting his players for the most part. And um, I think that's what he's trying to do here and trying to make sure that he is right because he wants to use them again. And even let's just even say he wants to sell them at some point. Fine. Cool. At least he's trying to make sure he's right <laughs> to get that money from him. Right. But I don't think that's the case. I think he wants to make sure he is right so he can have him uh, going forward. I think he's a crucial part of his plans. I think he likes the way he, you know, he's a very, uh, uh, you know, uh, He's a very good technical player. Uh, I think he likes that about him because that's what Ten Hag wants on his team anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm 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 not a, I'm a fan of what they're doing. I like it. I, I, I keep him away from the team, keep him off social media, which I think is his choice versus anything else. But yeah, I think this is a good look and a good move for Jaden Sancho to get back in form and get his mind right because clearly there's something going on with his with his mind as well. So. What do you think, Marcus? It's some. It's like um, it's weird to me because, bruh, if it's funny, like we don't discuss him as a flop, we just let him rock. Like we we don't like. I guess like he fell. His fall was so quick that it just didn't get paid paid attention to, and maybe that might could help him be able to bounce back quick. When he came to United, to me, it just wasn't a good fit. I honestly thought he should have went somewhere else. Maybe, but I think Ten, Ten Hag has found a role that he can use him in. Like how you said, maybe he can be a super sub this second part of the season. But if your fitness is lacking, then that's something disconnecting, I feel like, because he's a world-class player. So it, it has to be something extra off the field that he needs to get right. It might be that Manchester rain, bro. I got tired of that too. I was only there for a week, and I was, I went, I was almost depressed as hell. <laughs> I, I think you have a good point, because, uh, like I said, I, I just think it's a mental thing. Because I, it, like, he started off pretty good this year. I mean, he set your boy, your boy uh, Van Dyke down, uh, or Milner down, excuse me. Um, not Milner. My gosh, yeah, Milner. Uh, uh, in that game against Liverpool. And uh, anyway, so I don't know. I I just think it's a mental thing. I think he needs to get his mind right. I think, you know, maybe there's some personal things going on that he uh, – and obviously I'm speculating here. I, I don't know what, what what's really going on. But it just seems like it's more of a mental thing than a uh, than a, like a true fitness thing. I think the fitness thing is more of a cover for something else. Um, but I, I think it's more mental than anything else. I hope he gets his mind right because he's 22 going on 23. He was supposed to be at this World Cup, but his lack of form has dropped him completely from the national team. So, hey, sure, he's at a place where he's got to look at his career and look at himself and realize, what do I want to do with my life? <laughs> this career that I have is not going to be forever. I have to take advantage of the opportunity. And yeah, he is a flop so far. So hopefully he can correct it. But um, hey man, we'll be back with y'all next week. Hopefully the whole crew will be here. I mean, they better be here. We got to talk about this World Cup final, and it might be time for the coronation. Maybe it has to be time that we say someone is the goat if they win. But um, I'm with that propaganda. Yeah, but before yeah. we go, 
Because I was going to ask you that already right now, but I think, yeah, next week might be the best time to do that. Yeah, he's still number three, unless you win. <laughs> he's still number three, doggy dog. But uh, <laughs> salute to the treble winners, Arsenal, man. Emirate Cup champions, Florida Cup champions, Dubai Super Cup champions, preseason dubs. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, this is Champagne Soccer. Thanks to Marcus and Ephraim for doing this with me tonight, A. Hey. Y'all stay blessed out there. And Marcus, you got to let us know what we got to do before we leave, keep man. Them pinkies, keep them pinkies up, man. Till next time. We ain't going to have the injured reserve crew. We're going to have the whole team. <laughs> <laughs> Peace.